Oh, yeah. Please uh, come up if you're going to accept the proclamation tonight. So this is in recognition of CASA of Humboldt Month, July 2015. Whereas the court-appointed Special Advocates of Humboldt, CASA, has a distinguished record of public service established through its work in, to advance the right of foster children to live in a safe, healthy, and nurturing environment, and whereas each year roughly 7 in 100 children in Humboldt County will have child abuse allegations reported on their behalf, with the wide acceptance that that number of unreported incidences is far higher, higher th thus threatening the safety, well-being, and future of our entire community. And whereas the CASA program seeks to help children who are victims of abuse and or neglect to navigate the complicated, unfamiliar, and often frightening juvenile court and child welfare systems by providing trained volunteers to act as mentors and tireless advocates. And whereas the juvenile court officially appoints CASA advocates to serve as officers of the court who act as the court's eyes and ears in a child's life and improve the quality of information necessary to determine a better outcome for each child's case. And whereas CASA of Humboldt relies on donations and financial support from local businesses, foundations, and community members to account for 80% of its annual operating budget. And whereas the 12th annual Kid Walk is CASA's largest fundraiser and as such allows CASA to continue to provide advocacy and support for the most vulnerable children in Eureka. Now I therefore, Natalie Arroyo, on behalf of the Eureka City Council, do hereby proclaim July 2015 as CASA of Humboldt Month. I'd like to extend gratitude and recognize the importance of CASA of Humboldt's efforts to improve the lives of local foster children and encourage participation in the 2015 CASA Kid Walk event. Thank you very much for um, starting out. This is actually the beginning of Casa Kid Walk 2015 that we're starting here in Eureka, as we did last year. So it's getting to be quite a nice tradition. I'm Steve Allo. I'm the executive director of Casa, and I'm gathered here with one of our founding Kid Walk teams, the Beta Babes from Eureka. And we have not everyone's here, but we have Marge Custis, Nancy Warren, Tony Stone, Phyllis Brown, Lois Freeman, and Charlotte um, Greenwood's. Um, arriving late, if way. she even makes it. Um, <laughs> thank you very much for that uh, honor that we have here. Uh, is a wonderful model um, for one staff member at a nonprofit. They're able to work with 30 volunteers who can work with 45 children. It's one staff member, 45 children get individual attention um, that they need so much to make Eureka and Humboldt County a better place for these kids. An advocate has a success rate of keeping kids out of re-entering the foster system and also doing better in school. Oh, here comes Charlotte. Come on in. Um, so we thank you for that. Um, we're off to a great start. Um, and Mayor Yeager confirmed that he's going to have a team again this year. So thank you very much for joining. And um, thank you. Could you uh, give, you know, tell us a date and the, the how, how people set up teams oh, and that right. sort of thing, yeah. who so to they, contact? Yeah, so they call CASA or go to our website to set up a team. And this year, if it's a new team, they're going to get their team together and we're going to come out there for a pizza party and fill them in on all the ways that their team can raise money. And the event starts now and there's fundraising all through the season. And then it's going to culminate on Arts Alive in Eureka in October. So that's where our walk will be this year. And I've already challenged Frank. <laughs> we did that down, Marge. He said we could take a picture. Yeah. Thank you so much. Thanks for your time on this. 
just starting to put it together. We just got this stuff tonight. You want to be on my team? Maybe, yeah. Thank you. Oh, thank you. Thank you very much. Right? It's like number. Well, no, it's not less than that. That one time they were Carson Park down. Okay. All right. Thank you. Thank you. All right. Next, under mayor's announcements, we have the esteemed mayor pro tem for life, Michael Jones, is going to report to us on the fireworks, and uh, and Michael is uh, kind of a conduit because the people that really make this happen are the businesses that I hope he'll spotlight here tonight for us and, and talk about. My mother used to call me Michael. <laughs> um, Uncle Sam couldn't make it tonight. Um, he did, however, tell me to say hello to Natalie. They ran into each other down in Old Town this weekend. And uh, it was definitely a pleasure to have a call from the mayor to come this evening before you. Um, you great, hardworking city council members of the city of Eureka, my gosh, who knows better than, oh, anybody but me. I didn't work that hard. Um, that said, this year's fireworks, I made a little mention in a my word piece to the Time Standard, um, that this year's fireworks was dedicated to Maud Bishop. And I don't have to tell <clears throat> the mayor how deeply moved I am by you know, her absence. Uh, she lived to be 100 years old. She departed from us uh, back in April, but she was one of the, the biggest givers, if you want to, the, 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 middles, the widow's might, excuse me, of uh, all um, citizens in Eureka. She was such a lovely lady. Miss her dearly. Maud, thank you. We do honor you uh, this year uh, with these fireworks that have happened, and we want to... Uh, <coughs> Pay a special thanks to a lot of individuals, you know, and businesses. But uh, starting with the the city of Eureka, um, Jeff Ramey, uh, who is titled like, I mean, I guess it's kind of woven into a bunch of other things these days. But uh, he's always been my man on the waterfront, and uh, he was there on the barge when they were loading up all the fireworks. And I always trust that uh, the people from Pyro Spectaculars, the people that actually put on the show for us here in Eureka, are comfortable working with him. Um, I also want to thank uh, Charlotte uh, McDonald from Eureka Main Street and the energy that they provide for the festival and everything that happens down there during the daytime and brings uh, the folks down to see the event. Um, not to be lost is uh, by Coastal um, radio who hosted the Pyro Spectaculars synchronized music this year and uh, had a side note to thank Miles uh, Slattery too because he helped us last year make this year a little less expensive on us. Thank you Miles. Um, I'd like to also thank uh, Uncle Sam's sidekick Tiffany McKenzie who was out there uh, in her very high heels playing Miss Liberty. Uh, I've been turned down by uh, a lot of people, but Tiffany always shows up, and she is by far and away uh, a big attraction with Uncle Sam. I might add that. Um, 
the big thanks, I guess, starts with um, the Best Western Plus Bayshore Inn, who initiated this through me years ago when I used to sit on that corner of the diocese over there, and they gave a very huge sum of money to make this uh, go after a certain other philanthropist in Eureka. Decided five years of pulling it out of his own pocket. <clears throat> Excuse me, historically, thank you very much. Decided that he, you know, wanted to give it up to somebody else. And uh, so we took on that challenge. And we started to make phone calls, and we found a lot of people very friendly to the idea of continuing fireworks here in Eureka. And, and this year, I'm glad to tell you uh, that uh, we had some new people, very brand new people, that just bought the Roto Rooter business here in Humboldt County. And I want to thank uh, Cheryl uh, Mosier and Joe Lund and their son uh, Bartholomew. Huge. I mean, that kicked this off for me. It was unsolicited. Uh, the list runs down kind of like this, and you know these people. Um, Pacific Gas and Electric kicked in a very large, large share. Uh, McCray Nissan, uh, what, what are you going to do without Jason Guerra in your Rolodex? Nothing. Um, same with the Harper Ford and Miss City Motor World, uh, Trevor Harper. John at Rebbe Capital Bank, Umqua Bank, Charlie, my good competitor friend at George Peterson Insurance, Coast Central Credit Union, the people at Recology, O&M Industries, Nelson Feed, Times Printing, Meredith, when she answers the phone at Dawn's Rental, says, oh, don't say anything, just send us the bill. Lithia Dodge and Chrysler, uh, whose uh, birthday, Tim Call, just happens to be on the 4th of July. How can you say no there? Uh, Arlene and Don Biasca, uh, Pacific Affiliates, Thelma pa Pavlich, a couple of these names I hadn't even seen before, James and Sandra Hummel, John Fullerton, famous CPA in Eureka, California, and the person that just cut Uncle Sam's hair the other day, Judy, the barber up in Anderson Center. I did my own shave job, so. But I do want to spend a special thanks to Ernie and Rena Weston, John and Holly Frame, as well as the now-departed Jeannie Watson. Should have started the other way, I guess. <laughs> so anyway, long story short, we appreciate the opportunity and uh, to be here tonight, thank these people. There's more. Um, the accounting department here in the building somewhere will correct me if I'm wrong, but I think we can pay the second half of the bill and, uh, again, thank you, City Council, for your support, and uh, look forward to, apparently, next year. Thanks. Thanks, Mike. Mike, is that your hat? Mike, you, your hat? Oh, my hat. Thank you. I need to thank Denise at the costume box because uh, she has the greatest uh, Uncle Sam costume in the whole world. In fact, little known secret, Uncle Sam wasn't actually here in Eureka for the fireworks. He was in Gold Beach, Oregon, and they loved him. What can I say? <laughs> thank you, Michael. <coughs> okay, that's, uh, we'll move to a council report. Should we any? Council reports, we'll start with Marion on this side. 
Thank you, Mayor. Um, today we had our Eureka Main Street board meeting, and Charlotte McDonald asked me to share with you the um, lighted boat parade, which is being uh, it's the first time that they're going to do it with uh, in conjunction with the Relay for Life. And so um, that's going to be going, it's got a path that's going to go around in, in the harbor. And they're looking for entrance, people who have uh, boats or ships or anything that uh, would light up their, uh, their watercraft and participate in this to make it festive. And um, so there's an entry fee. It's a donation to the Relay for Life. And the deadline is July 8th, which is tomorrow. And um, the event is uh, Saturday, July 11th. So she asked me to tell everybody about that. It should be fun. And the, my second announcement is that I, um, as, uh, as part of my duties uh, with the League of California Cities, I went to the 2015 Mayors and Council, exec, Council Members Executive Forum, which was held in Monterey this year. It's the first time I think it's happened in something like six or seven years. And um, uh, it's a very intensive um, series of uh, committee meetings, lectures. Um, they have guest speakers, headline speakers, or keynote speakers. And one of the things that happens as a result of this is when I came back, I have um, some highlighted notes that I took that I'm sharing, going to be sharing with our community development, our director of community development services director. <laughs> It's a new title. I am not used to it yet. And city manager, and um, I'm sure they'll share it with other people. There are just a lot of really good ideas that when you get a bunch of cities together and they have these really great speakers, they have mayors, all that kind of thing, um, that come and share their history and what they're doing in their towns to make everything better and more um, profitable for the cities, especially in these hard times. So um, I won't bore you all with that. but. I just wanted to tell you that it was a it was a long trip, but it was worth it. Thank you. Yes, I, I sit as the chair of the Redwood Coast Energy Authority, and at our last meeting, uh, we voted to uh, go forward with uh, community choice aggregation uh, on a countywide basis. Uh, we're looking into all of the various uh, parts of what we'll need to go forward with this with this concept, and basically the concept is that that uh, the county, the people of the county, through the Energy Authority, if that ended up being the board for the community choice aggregation, uh, can purchase their own power. Uh, PG&E still is in charge of the lines and everything. We still pay PG&E to do maintenance and, and deliver the energy. But the people of Humboldt County would get to decide what kind of power they want to buy, local power, green power, uh, cheaper power, different different ways we're, we're looking into it. And we've had some interest also from Mendocino County in joining us, which would be good because it would make us a little bit bigger and a little bit more uh, robust to to uh, be purchasing power. Uh, and it's just at its infant stages right now. Uh, we're going to be having a report from the Energy Authority's Executive Director when we get more information in. And hopefully we can look forward to that in about a few months. Thanks, Linda. Kim? Okay. Okay. Uh, we will move to uh, public comment period. Uh, this is the time for members of the public who wish to be heard on matters that do not appear on the agenda. And pursuant to City Council Resolution 2011-22, uh, City Council policy is limited to each speaker to three minutes. 
Such time allotment or portion thereof shall not be transferred to other speakers. The public will be allowed to speak concurrently with the calling of an agenda item following the staff presentation of that item. And pursuant to the Brown Act, the City Council, of course, cannot take any action that, uh, on an item that does not appear on the agenda. So at this time, is there anyone that would like to address the Council under public comment? Please step forward. Hi. Um, good evening. My name is Erin Taylor, and uh, first I'd like to thank Kim and Linda for your support lately on um, what I'm going to introduce is the Friends of the Marsh. Um, the Friends of the Marsh is a mix of Eureka and Humboldt County residents, both housed and unhoused individuals working to better our whole community based on environmental needs, personal safety, and humanitarian issues. Friends of the Marsh began a few months ago behind the Bayshore Mall. Um, it grew from concerns and events that have been, been happening back there among the EPD, city agencies, environmental groups, and the houseless residents residing in the Palco Marsh. Um, we, uh, during the last services fair, uh, we are openly working with some of the city agencies, representatives, human services, nonprofits, and also groups like New Direction. We are working towards stronger relationships with all entities in our community. Friends of the Marsh have been working weekly cleanups and lunches with our unhoused residents along the Palco Marsh. Friends of the Marsh with New Directions have and are volunteering to do cleanups for only the cost of a continuous dumpster. No labor costs, no insurance costs, no large diesel equipment, and in, in, in a humanitarian way. Here, the housed and unhoused are working in a partnership, showing and creating positive communication and leadership to both our residents in the camps and our community at large. We, the Friends of the Marsh, are the housed and unhoused community working together towards a stronger relationship between everyone. Please work with us in finding and creating a more humane, humane safe, economical, and environmentally sound way to approach our issues down at the Marsh. All are welcomed on Wednesdays at 12 o'clock on the far end of the mall. Thank you. All right. Thanks, Ann. <coughs> so my name is Maureen Chase, and um, for the last 15 years, I have been the project director of the Homeless Education Project with Eureka City Schools, and so I've been intimately working with the homeless population of Eureka over the last 15 years. And I'm part of the Friends of the Marsh have been working behind the mall. And I understand that that's not a viable situation in the long run. I also understand that you guys worked with focus strategies. I was actually on one of their, um, one of their focus panels and that they have suggested to you that you embrace a housing first model exclusively. Um, I think, you know, in all my experience with homelessness and getting people into housing, I think the ho housing first model is great but I think it's really untenable as an exclusive solution. Um, the roots of homelessness go very, very deep, and just because you put a roof over somebody's head doesn't mean all their issues magically disappear, I have found. Um, so the answer to homelessness in this community has to be as diverse as the reasons that, that create homelessness. Um, I feel that the Housing First model exclusively is limited because I just don't think there's enough landlords in Eureka that are going to be willing to rent to, you know, this could be equal to the number of homeless we have to house. I actually am also 
a Eureka landlord myself, and even though I've really tried hard to keep my professional hat and my business hat separate, out of compassion to a lot of the families I've worked, I have rented to some of them that I really had a lot of faith in, and I'm really sad to report to you, and I was very disappointed myself that it just didn't work out. They didn't yet have the skill development to successfully stay in housing. Um, I've also, through a lot of donations I've gotten into the Homeless Education Project, advocated with a lot of landlords, um, I think this was before I was one, and paid first and last month in security deposit to get these guys into housing. And I was time and time again disappointed to run into them and have them say, oh, we got evicted, you know, we didn't pay the rent, we had too many people staying there. So I just think that um, we have to address the issues that bring people to homelessness if we want to see long-term changes and results. And that's why I'm dubious about the exclusive housing first model. Um, I'm just a huge advocate in all my work with the Homeless Education Project. The one thing I've noticed is that um, we were just missing a permanent campsite. Um, I think that um, a lot of families that only had cars or trailers, they had no place to stay, and I had no place that I could legally direct them to. They were parking illegally on the streets, getting tickets, getting harassed. You know, uh, trailer parks won't let older trailers stay in there. So I just saw this huge need, and it just broke my heart to leave my office at night knowing they had no place to stay. Um, and also, and I'm almost done here. I've got this written down, too. Um, I also think, you know, I think we got to be real that some of these guys are not going to make it in housing. And if they're not, and if there's no sanctioned campsite for them to go to, they're going to go back to the woods. They're going to, um, you know, continue to put human waste into our bay, have no access to basic hygiene and sanitation at a huge cost to the city, to the citizens, and to themselves. So I just think we have an obligation to take a more multifaceted approach to our solution, and I just want to let you know that I'm really willing and excited to work with you in developing a more permanent solution. Okay, thank, thank you. you. Sorry I went over time, but I did write this out in long form so you guys can mull over it. If, All right, yeah. thanks a lot, that helps. Thank you very much. Go ahead. Step up. Good evening. I, my name is Maximilian Voltz, and um, like I was talking with my partner over here, pertain to the issues that this young lady was just talking about. I myself spoken to quite a few people that were actually homeless and stuff, and I noticed a lot of paraphernalia, you know, like where people hang out and stuff, and it's just too chaotic, you know, like they get too overrouted, they get, they start destroying things. You know, like, and they start whatever there is. Like this morning, I went over there and I started helping people clean up their mess and all that kind of stuff, trying to make it a better world, a better vibration, whatever, you know, good deeds or whatever. But like they would say, you know, like I would try to help the people that really need it the most. But the people that are into way too much paraphernalia, you know what I'm talking about, paraphernalia. You know, like shooting up and all that kind of stuff. Trace, you know, just it's just too. I don't know. I guess they all come from the Devil's Playground. I guess that's what you guys call it behind the Bayshore Mall area. And uh, just I don't know what to say about them. All I know is that uh, if they continue going whatever there is, there, I was told that there's a lot of violence in Eureka because of them and so forth. I just hope that they do get locked up or straight jacket or whatever you need to put them in. Just straighten them, their act up and make them more 
civilized into society. Okay. Hello, good evening. My name is Charles E. Smith. I am living up here for the past 10 months. Originally, I lived in Thailand. I observed what he was talking about yesterday. Do you know the amphitheater over by the Adorni Center? This morning, we went over there. Actually, last night, we went over there to see our friends over there. And we noticed a lot of paraphernalia over there, people smoking marijuana, a lot of bottles of vodka, bottles of beer over there. These people were getting wasted over there. And this morning, thanks to the police last night, they came in and they got the people out of there. This morning, there was still a lot of junk on the ground there that needed to be cleaned up. And we have observed that every once in a while, the garbage company comes in, in that area, empties all the garbage cans, but not all of them, not all. Near the dock area, they usually avoid it until somebody makes it an issue. Um, uh, the area over there has been just, you know, run down and needs to be restored because, like, there's no lighting over there. You can't see the signs anymore or they're ripped off from the, the post they are. You cannot see the no smoking sign over there because the bushes are too high over there. But we need to address this issue because it's destroying your society, man. None of those homeless people over there deserve to be, you know, treated like what, how they're being treated, okay? You have a good day. So I'm going to go. Thank Thank you. Is there anyone else like to address the council at this time? All right. Seeing no one, we will close the public comment period and move to uh, public hearings. This is the public hearing regarding the city's uh, fee schedules. Thank you, and good evening, Mayor and City Council. Tonight we're holding a public hearing to adopt the proposed 15, fiscal year 1516 fee schedule amendments. The agenda packet includes the $1 fee increase to zoo admissions approved by Council during the budget process. It also includes a new fee for shopping cart retrieval, some property damage related ones which were previously inadvertently omitted, and some increases in police fees. The hydrant rental fee was revised to be consistent with the quantity, residential, and commercial rates on page 23 of the fee schedule. And department staff are available to answer any questions you may have about their fees. And in conclusion, staff recommends that you adopt the resolution establishing amendments to the various fees and service charges within the City of Eureka for the fiscal year 1516. And that's all I have, unless you have questions. Thank you. Any questions for staff? Uh, go ahead, Marion. A quick one. I'm assuming that the shopping cart retrieval fee is to be paid for by um, the stores that are receiving the the stolen carts back? Yes. Okay. Any other questions? Okay. Thank you. This time we'll open the public hearing. Uh, is there anyone present that would like to comment on the proposed fee schedule for the City of Eureka? Okay, seeing no one, we will close the public hearing and return it to City Council for your action. Linda. I'd like to move that we adopt the 2015-16 uh, fee schedule. I'll second. All right, been moved and seconded. Uh, any further discussion? Go ahead and vote. Unanimous yes vote, motion carries. Thank you, Wendy. 
All right. Uh, we'll move to the consent calendar, and all matters listed under this category considered to be routine by the city and count, city council will be acted in one motion and pursuant to city council resolution 2011-22. If a member of the public would like an item on the consent calendar pulled and discussed separately, that request shall be made to a council member prior to the meeting. Unless a specific request is made by a council member, the consent calendar will not be read, and there will be no separate discussion of these items. Is there any item on the consent calendar a council member would like to have pulled? I've gotten a request about number eight, and I'd like to pull it just for clarification about what it entails. Number eight? Yeah, okay. Thank you. All right. I'll entertain a motion for the approval of the balance of the consent calendar minus number eight. I move the approval of the consent calendar minus number eight. I second. Moved and seconded. Go ahead and vote. Unanimous yes vote. Motion carries. Okay. Number eight on the consent calendar was Public Records Act request. Uh, Cindy, can we have a report? Yes, Mayor and Council. Um, this is a policy that I'm putting forth uh, to make sure that everyone in the city is aware of how Public Records Act requests should be handled. Um, as you know, through the budget process and through the years, um, we've got a lot of new employees. We've got a lot of temp employees. Um, we get a lot of these, and there's often some confusion about where they should go, who should handle them, and who should respond to them. So in talking with um, the city clerk and the city manager, I thought it would be a good idea to put something formal together um, to ensure that they all go to the same place, they have a legal review, and that someone's signing off on these. So therefore, I put together um, a new policy, which is 1.13. Um, all of the records will go through the city attorney's office. Um, there is a provision if there is a request from the media um, that goes through the city manager's office, it will be handled through there. However, there will be a consultation with the city attorney's office just to make sure there's legal review. All right, any questions for staff? Um, particular question on that? It was really just about why a Public Records Act change would be on the consent calendar. That was the clarification request that I, I got. So I I just wanted to bring it up so that we could understand more about, about it. So thank you. All right. If there's no more questions, we'll open the item for public discussion. Is there anyone present that would like to comment on this agenda item? All right. Seeing no one, we will close the public comment period and return it to Council. I would like to move that we adopt policy and procedure number 1.13, the handling of Public Records Act requests. Second. All right. Moved and seconded. Go ahead and vote. Unanimous yes vote. Motion carries. Okay. Um, item 9, Department Reorganization Ordinance. Yes, Mayor and Council. That's this is the again. second reading of the proposed departmental reorganization ordinance. Um, as you know, section 607 of the charter uh, provides that the council shall provide the form of organization through which the functions of the city are to be administered. Um, because of the budget um, adoption in June uh, and because of uh, past reorgs that needed to be codified and also from due to recommendations from the city manager, um, a uh, changes were made to the current uh, code specific, specifically to certain departments um, and just 
briefly, those departments um, will ensure that there's consistent administrative policies and procedures for each department. It's authorizing the city manager with approval of the city council to contract departmental services out to third parties if need be. There's a change in the designation of the community development director to development services. Authorizes the movement of the building department into the Department of Public Works. The Parks and Recreation Department um, and director position was formally codified, will be formally codified through this ordinance. And also it abolishes the Eureka Redevelopment Agency. All right, questions for staff? All right, thank you. All right, we'll open this item for public comment. Is there anyone present that would like to comment on department reorganization ordinance? All right, seeing no one, we will close the public comment period and uh, also return it to council. Linda, go ahead. I move we wa waive reading, read by title only, and adopt bill number 887CS, an ordinance of the city of Eureka, adding, amending, deleting, Title Three, Chapter 32, Sections 32.20, Fire Department. Title Three, Chapter 33, Sections 33.045 through 33.046, Building Department. Title Three, Chapter 33, Sections 33.070 through 33.071, Community Development. Title Three, Chapter 33, Sections 33.088 through 33.102, Department of Public Works. Title Three, Chapter 33, Sections 33.100 through 33.101, Redevelopment Agency. And Title Three, Chapter 33, Sections 33.100 through 102, Departments of Parks and Recreation of the Eureka Municipal Code. Thank you. <laughs> Is there a second? I'll second. All right, it's been moved and seconded. Any further discussion? All right, go ahead and vote. Unanimous yes vote, motion carries. Okay, moves us to item 10, um, <laughs> additional police services ordinance, and that's back to you again, Cindy. It is. Uh, before you tonight is a draft ordinance that would add section 32.08 to title three of chapter 32, which would provide additional police services to any person, corporation, firm or organization who requests such services. Such services would be provided subject to the Chief of Police's approval. Any personnel equipment or materials that are provided will remain under the control and direction of the Chief. Under the proposed ordinance, the Chief would determine an, estimated, an estimate for the cost for providing such services and that amount would be paid up front as a deposit. After the services are complete, the Chief of Police will determine the amount that is actually due. Either an invoice with a balance due and owing will be issued through the city's finance department or a refund will be issued. In addition, the ordinance provides protection to the city when additional police services are provided as the ordinance specifies that no special relationship is created between the city and the contracting party. A special relationship under the law is a phrase which denotes the creation of a higher duty to a party. This ordinance would address that. No special relationship would be created. In addition, no privileges or immunities or other protections under law would be limited or waived. This really came about um, from a request from Bayshore Mall. Uh, I think back in April or May, the chief can correct me, 
And Andy, you can come up, please, and assist me. <laughs> um, I don't know if you all have any questions, but um, this really came about when uh, the Bayshore Mall asked for additional police services. And they did it for a short time period. I think it was for 30 days. Um, and we really didn't have anything on the books, any way to provide those additional services. Um, and they were willing to pay for those services. So we really, um, we finally put together a contract, but I felt it was really um, a smarter path to make sure that we had something on the books so that the chief, if he's asked, has the authority to provide those services. And it's clear that when he does, that it's under his direction and control. And again, that we don't have any um, issues with special, a creation of a special relationship or we waive any immunities or protections. So this ordinance really makes that clear. All right, questions uh, by council. Marion, go ahead. Thank you, thank you, Mayor. Um, my, my main question is that what, how this is working is that we're not taking police services away from normal duties, these are overtime services that, that officers who wish to do overtime. So my question is, is that overtime a part of their retirement calculation or is this aside from their normal duties and does not accrue to their uh, retirement calculations? I believe that the retirement calculations, and I can get clarification from uh, Director Bird, is based on base salary, not overtime. He is shaking his head yes. So this would not go towards their, their highest year uh, retirement calculation. So when you're, you're doing an estimate for a contract, uh, the part of that estimate will include the administrative cost of you preparing the estimate? It will. Okay. Kim? Something's on. Something's on over here. So um, speaking to injuries, so if somebody's injured, say, at the Bayshore Mall that's working privately as opposed to somebody that's working out in the field, how will that be paid for or covered? Well, they won't be working privately. In other words, they won't be a separate. It doesn't create like a security guard situation. Mm -hmm. They're still going to be EPD officers. Right. So they will be paid through overtime. The only difference is they're paid through the funds from the private party. So they're under the direction and control of EPD, the city. So they will, um, if they're injured on the job, it'll be workers' comp will apply or. And so the workers' comp fees and those types of things are going to be covered by, say it was the mall or something like that, or that's going to be something that the city's going to cover. Does that make sense? If they're yes. privately paying, yes. are they privately going to pay if somebody has an injury or is that going to be um, something that the city covers? We will work with finance to do a total calculation of all the costs associated with a full-time police officer, including overhead and administrative costs and dispatch and, and the whole thing, which will be itemized, so that if we run into the situation again, this special events uh, situation, if you will, um, that all that calculation is included. Including the workers' comp? Including workers' comp, including uh, the, whole, okay. the whole boatload. Thanks. Had a, a couple of citizens asked me the same thing, um, but they wouldn't, say somebody did get injured and they're off 
work for three months because of that. You know, maybe they're on 4850 time or, or whatever. So how do we backfill their positions when they're off on that time? Is that, is that covered by the contract or is that on the city's dime? That would probably be on the city's dime. Okay. So there would be, well, there's no way of predicting that, so you just don't know. Yeah, uh, a couple of things that I think are germane here. One is these are fairly uh, low-key uh, environments and events uh, that uh, we're not uh, in a situation where they're doing out doing high-end drug cases or, or going after felons on a regular basis. This would be something where there's a special event or a special need, such as the mall or one of the plazas that need extra police protection because of a series of incidents that they are willing to pay for. Um, this will not be routine police work. Uh, they're not going to go there and take all the reports or anything like that. It's just to provide that extra level of security so that people are comfortable again at those locations. Or a special event such as uh, a concert that comes to town. There is no currently no provision uh, for us to staff that with sworn officers. And so when the city attorney and I sat down and discussed it, you know, how are we doing that, like a sporting event, if you will. There is no mechanism for us to do that. We were just doing it all on our own dime. So all the overtime that was paid for anything in the city came out of EPD budget. So what this allows us to do is staff those positions uh, for special events uh, and get some compensation for that, especially where there's people making money uh, at those at those events, uh, so we're not taking it completely out of our budget uh, to uh, to do that. Okay, so another question would be like in an events like that, would we also require them to hire private security to do? I, I mean, this isn't exclusive work that only a police no. officer can do. Now, wherever we can, we'll shuffle those responsibilities uh, to private security or other temporary employees at the city. Uh, we've already had this discussion. What do, we, what do we do if there's a parade? Well, we don't really necessarily want a full duty police officer on overtime when we're already working as hard as we possibly can. They're directing traffic when somebody else can do that. And so there are other people that can take those duties for us. This will be a, a specialized assignment that you need full police powers for. And, uh, but with the mixture uh, like if you go to an uh, AT&T park, for instance, uh, you have a mixture of a few police officers with a lot of security. Uh, uh -huh. So that there's somebody with police powers to actually do the things that need to be done in case they, the situation should arise. And, and this doesn't include any of our um, volunteer um, folks or reserve people that we have? No, they, are regu no, they regularly uh, do volunteer work at rodeos and marathons and so forth that they choose to do. Okay. Um, let's see. Yeah, the only other concern then would be, of course, this would be an administrative decision on your part as to whether or not you had the staffing available so we don't not cover parts of the city when we have people on overtime doing special events that would no there, there nobody will ever be taken off of patrol or short the city in any way in order to accomplish these these uh, special events uh, this is completely separate and uh, the last time we did it at the mall I believe there was a couple of times where we weren't able to fill all those spots because we had higher priorities uh, in the city yeah and if something else arises in a, of a critical nature 
then this is the lowest rung on the ladder that's going to get filled. Um, and that will be part of the contract and part of the acknowledgement by the person, you know, that is asking for the special request. Okay. So, so I, I noticed, though, in here you had a, a minimum of four days. Um, is that just because it's not worth it if they don't just do four, at least four days? It takes a lot of work on staff's part mm -hmm. uh, to put these contracts together to uh, make sure that all the I's are dotted and T's are crossed. So that if we're going to do this, it's going to have to be worthwhile, mm -hmm. unless it's a again a special event, a one-time thing, such as a sporting event that happened to come to town or a large concert, and then we still have the shell here where we can we can execute it that way. Uh, so does it allow for that? It, it kind of read to me that it had to be a minimum of four days. Four hours. Oh, four hours. Well, that makes a big difference. <laughs> you didn't catch that when I said I days. Did not. Huh? <laughs> I plead guilty. Mayor, okay. Mayor, just right. to, that, to well, that is that. a lot of work for four hours. Yeah. yeah. Just to build upon that a little bit too. In, in some cases, with special events, the city is a co-sponsor, so that can be a very different situation where we, as a city, have have taken on uh, some of that responsibility. But if it's an event where we're not a co-sponsor, then I think you would be looking at where some of these fees may may apply. Okay. Thank you. Is this pretty commonplace for other police departments to to do? Yes, it's universal. Okay. I got some questions about it too. I'm just sort of wondering yeah, if this it's is universal from the standpoint that why should the city bear the cost of people that are profiteering off of special events and concerts and ball games and so forth? Um, and I don't think they should. And do you anticipate this being a source of additional revenue, or is it just going to kind of help you break even when you have to do these extra events? Cindy, move to the mic, so I assume she has a comment <laughs> on that. Um, just in respo response to your question about other um, jurisdictions, I did get on the city attorney listserv and just to see who else had this. This particular um, ordinance is modeled after San Francisco, um, and these range... Um, there's a lot of jurisdictions that have them. A lot of them have gone, jurisdictions have gone to it because of budgetary constraints. Um, and in response to your second question, um, it's not meant to be a, a revenue raising ordinance. Okay. It's meant to be a cost savings. In other words, cover our costs okay. of providing these services. Great. What she said. <laughs> Thank you. All right, any other questions for city attorney or chief? Okay, thank you. We'll open the item for uh, public comment. Is there anyone present that would like to comment on the agenda item? Please step forward. I'm Jane Stock. I live in Eureka. And I can understand having police presence at a city-sponsored event, but I can't understand why Eureka Police should be um, available to the Bayshore Mall for protection. There are corporations in that mall that can certainly afford to train their own security forces to the needs of the mall. Um, I, I just don't understand why the police should have to be at the Bayshore Mall. It's another step, I think, of corporations taking over municipal municipal duties in its um, it's a barrier I don't want to see Eureka cross. So, thank you. Thank you. 
Is there anyone else like to comment on the agenda item? Okay, we'll close the public comment period and return it to council for your comments or action. It seems like the chief might want to say something. Well, I understand and appreciate the concern of uh, corporations taking over municipal agencies, and that certainly would be my concern also. I think the difference is when a situation becomes so pronounced that it overwhelms the safety and the resources of uh, minimally trained private security guards, the government has to step in. Uh, and the difference is uh, do we step in at our cost or we step in at their cost? And uh, this last time, the Bayshore Mall uh, did uh, pay for uh, some of the uh, much of the cost of the officers that were there on a limited basis and brought confidence back to the public who could then revisit the mall. We had a lot of comments from people on how successful that was in terms of people feeling comfortable to go to the mall to spend money, uh, which ultimately winds up in tax revenue. So I, too, share that concern. Uh, and it's only in exceptional cases where uh, the resources of the private sector do not match the ability of the public sector, and that's, that's what this is intended for. All right. Any other comments by council or a motion? Natalie? I just wanted to note that um, I also share those concerns. Um, and when this first, you know, was on our agenda, I actually asked a couple of friends I know who are privately hired security guards um, what their jobs were like and whether there were any instances where they ever felt that they were unable to do their job because they didn't have the capacity of a sworn police officer. And both of them emphatically said yes. Um, there have been events that were out of control. Um, and one of them used to work at the mall and quit um, because it was so dangerous. And that was around the time where people were getting stabbed in the mall. And so there were some pretty egregious things going on. So um, I do share that concern as well. And you know, I, I just uh, hope it, it sounds like the chief is, is aware of that. And I hope that we won't start doing this as a regular, all the time thing, but only when it's really, really needed, um, and that we won't uh, be taxing our officers beyond what they can can sustain as far as overtime too. Because I have some concerns about people wanting to make a little, you know, a little extra money in overtime, but maybe getting a little exhausted from working a lot. So um, I just hope that those concerns will be taken into account. Thank you, Linda. I'm a little concerned too about uh, ongoing uh, contracts like with the mall for ongoing police presence at the mall. Whereas if you have special events, I, that totally makes sense to, you know, because there'll be, be a day or two days that, that they'll need extra, extra security for a special event. But if it's day in and day out at the mall, because the mall won't hire enough security to secure its own property, then it's problematic. I understand that sometimes there's going to be a need for police officers to go in because the situation gets too too uh, difficult or dangerous for a security guard to handle. But I don't know where that, that line is drawn, and I assume that that's what the chief will do, is draw that line. Uh, yes, I will draw that line. I've been here for a little bit over a year and a half now. We've done it one time. And, uh, and that one time, we were very controlled, and for a very specific reason, we had an abnormal spike or a hot spot uh, in violent crime. Uh, and I want to draw a distinction there between violent crime and property crime. 
And so we're not here to help them with shoplifters. We're not here to do uh, property management. Uh, we're here to make sure that uh, any Eureka citizen can go to that mall in comfort and safety uh, when a specific and targeted need arises. Uh, and I will be very vigil, uh, vigilant on taking a look at these circumstances and using a great deal of discretion. Uh, to be very frank, um, the concerns were mentioned by almost every person on council about uh, the amount of overtime that might be incurred. And I, too, share that concern. And the city manager has mentioned to me in the past, you know, we'll, let's really keep an eye on are, are we burning our people out. And so that is a, a huge concern of mine. And so uh, we will monitor that. And uh, maybe we can report back to you in the future uh, to make sure that uh, we are not uh, funding uh, private malls and, and plazas and, and so forth. Yeah, and I would just like to say that there's a certain gravitas that having a uniformed police officer versus a mall security guard when things have gotten scary to the public and when they're going around thinking, oh, you know, what, what shall I do now? I don't feel safe there. So I, I can see it as, as a limited usage thing that's uh, in exceptional circumstances. But I can see that you probably need some sort of system for handling that. And uh, so that's where I... It's my understanding. Any other comments? We have a motion. I'll, um, let's see. I will make the motion to uh, introduce, waive reading, and read by title only Bill Number 888CS, uh, an ordinance of the City of Eureka adding section 32.08 to Title III, Chapter 32, Additional Police Services. Second. All right, it's been moved and seconded. Uh, any further comments? Go ahead and vote. Unanimous yes vote motion carries. Okay, moves us to item 11, League of California Cities Annual Conference Delegates. Uh, so, Mayor and Council, you're all aware of the annual conference for League of California Cities that will be held in San Jose uh, at the end of September and uh, through the, yes, is it just really low? Let me get, is that, yeah, it is low. Uh, so the conference will be held, I believe it's September 30th through October 2nd. And uh, we currently have three members signed up, but I believe you're all perhaps interested in attending. Uh, what we need are, uh, we need a delegate to uh, vote on behalf of the city at the business meeting that will be on Friday, uh, October 2nd. And uh, we also need one alternate just in case there's an, uh, an issue and, and that uh, designation, designated person cannot make it. So it's up to you to uh, um, appoint one person and one alternate. Thank you. Kim, well, since Linda, don't you cover all the le legislative stuff? So I'd like to appoint Linda as the person to vote. Okay, are we driving down there? I, yes, we will be driving down there. I'll be arranging for a carpool um, and uh, for those that want to travel together and and uh, we'll be making those arrangements shortly. Okay, as long as it's not like getting flights and stuff, I'm, I'm fine with that. 
Need an alternate then. I was going to say I've I've done it before a couple times, so I would encourage maybe one of the newer members that you might enjoy that process. It's different. I'm sure I would enjoy the process, but I have to leave early on Friday to come back for Coast Guard duty that weekend. So I don't know that I want to be the, the voting delegate. Yes, it does have a commitment to go through a lunch meeting. Business oh, meet I believe it's. Um, usually do it around noon the business meeting and it can go until two or three in the afternoon just that's the time frame. that's not bad yeah okay I, I would be the alternate can the alternate go either way the alternate can attend the business meeting but you would only vote in the case that you were attending as the delegate okay yeah that seems like it would be interesting so sure and I think any of us can attend the business meeting right yeah okay Do we need a motion or anything, or is that uh, significant uh, for us to submit it to them? Okay. All right. Um, we'll move to city manager's report then. Chief will be making a report on the chief citizen advisory board. Chief, could you push that up a little bit? And, uh, Is that better? Hard time hearing you. Okay. <clears throat> I'll speak loudly. Use my outside voice. Well, Mayor and Council, thank you uh, again for allowing us to present what's going on at the Eureka Police Department during the manager's report. You know, the Constitution and the citizens of Eureka have given us a great deal of power and responsibility. We have the power to search and seize. Uh, people's property and person to detain and arrest and yes sometimes to even use force when necessary and morally and legally justified we also have the we also are the visible representative of government when people look at the police they see government they see you they see the mayor they see uh, the rest of the department heads and in order to ensure that the police stay on the right track. Uh, about a year, uh, last November, uh, we asked council to uh, move forward with a chief's advisory panel. And uh, this is our um, appointment of the people to that panel after going through a process to select those people. You know, the essence of community policing is that we police from the perspective of the community that we ensure that the bedrock principles of fairness and justice are adhered to. And so therefore, we move forward with the panel, and I'd like to introduce to you today uh, what this is going to look like. First of all, the process that was used. We used social media, we used the regular media, we used uh, advertising to solicit uh, people in the Eureka community to step forward, people who are willing to give of themselves for absolutely no pay, um, I think you can relate to that, uh, and to uh, help the police department with wisdom, with guidance, and with suggestions to make sure that we are on the right track for the citizens of Eureka. As a result, we vetted uh, numerous applications, and the mayor, the city manager, and I uh, collaborated and picked several people for this panel. 
But let me first uh, show you what uh, the purpose of it is. The purpose, and you'll, a couple words will jump out at you, the purpose is to give oversight, counsel, and support to the chief of police to ensure that there's transparency and that we're fostering the right kind of relationship with our community, all segments of our community, not just the people in power in our community, but every last person in this community is who we uh, believe we need to serve. The first thing that's going to take place once the panel is uh, put in place, and we're projecting sometime in August, we need to talk with everybody to make sure we can get on the same page for the same date and time and location. But the uh, first thing we're going to do is take a look at uh, training everybody on the panel. It's kind of hard to condense uh, six months or nine months of basic police training into just four hours. Uh, and that's what the panel will be going uh, through every month is four hours of training, in addition to making policy recommendations to, uh, to me and the captains. So the Chief's Oversight uh, Panel will take a look at civilian oversight for law enforcement as it's currently done around the world and mostly here in the United States. And what are the models of different models of civilian oversight? And what are the community expectations of this oversight? So this, we, I believe, will be a thorough and robust discussion about what this oversight and um, policy uh, panel will take will look like, this advisory panel. The Eureka mode of the Chief's Advisory Panel will look at budget, policy, procedures, and training. So they're going to examine virtually every aspect of the Eureka Police Department. Nothing will be hidden from them. It's an open book so that they can take a look at it, they can advise us, they can uh, uh, direct us and give us suggestions on how we might be able to improve. They'll also look at legal considerations, and I'll have to uh, rely upon the City Attorney for some of this to uh, speak with the panel. But uh, uh, things such as the public records request, uh, what, does it mean, what does it mean to establish locally uh, driven oversight? And what are the laws relating to a police officer's personnel records, rights, actions, and responsibilities? This is very complex law, and I get literally bulletins on it almost every day via email from educated uh, 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 arbitrators throughout the state. What are the case laws concerning stop and frisk? Uh, concerning detentions, concern, concerning arrest and seizure. Uh, it's a, as you can see, there are literally thousands of different types of laws and policies that will come into play here. So managing this process is going to be time-consuming, difficult, but I still think the right thing to do. And what are the steps in the criminal justice system uh, that we need to uh, understand? We'll also get training in the local law enforcement agency. They'll get training on EPD. How about its organization, its culture, its history? What are, our, what are our practices and the theory by which we police? There's actually thought that goes behind our staffing formulas, how we police, what we take a look at, what we measure, uh, the rules of conduct for our officers, and as you can see, lots of other um, issues that come along, such as booking and custody and First Amendment activity by our police officers, but also how do we ensure that the public is protected during First Amendment activity. And then investigations and review of all police-related deaths will be one of the things that the board will be tasked with, is to, to make sure that the community is overseeing uh, what's going on in the police department, even at the highest levels. 
Uh, local agency continue. They'll get training on mentally ill and what are, per, what are our procedures and training to deal with mentally ill uh, people. Biased policing, community relations, the disciplinary process. The police officers have a bill of rights that we have to make sure that we adhere to. And uh, this oversight panel will be no different. Uh, they'll have to make sure that they're adhering to the police officer bill of rights also. Uh, and that specifically affects their personnel files and what the board can and cannot know. And that will be our responsibility to guide them in that. They'll also have the opportunity to ride along with their officers on duty as often and as frequently as they would like uh, to see exactly what's going on in a patrol car or an investigative unit. And uh, I think it will be an eye-opening experience for some and maybe not for others. So the panel size. The panel will be six persons and one alternate. That alternate will step in in case a person um, has to leave or gets moves or maybe falls ill. And uh, the members are limited to three two-year terms by appointment of the mayor, the city manager, and myself. As I mentioned earlier, there's no monetary compensation. And uh, it's expected to, they're expected to commit at least four hours per month uh, in this position. Now, what that will probably look like is uh, getting some policy ahead of time that they'll need to read and understand, looking at a specific issue in the police department, and then having a robust discussion about that policy or that personnel investigation that we have completed. So there will be a variety of, of, of things that they'll need to take a look at. Next year, uh, when it comes budget time, one of the things they'll be looking at is our budget. You know, are we making the right decisions for our budget? And uh, I think that will be uh, very helpful. So who's on it? Uh, first one is John Dalby. He's the president, CEO, and director of Redwood Capital Bank, and, and a, a smart guy. I had lunch with him, and uh, one of the things I was very impressed with with John is that it was voted one of the ten best places to work in the state of California. Um, that's leadership that we certainly can learn from and grow, and grow with as a police agency, how to treat our employees so that we don't have turnover. And so John will be sitting on that board, and he has graciously uh, accepted. Alan Frippo is a local attorney and, and past uh, uh, deputy DA, has a Juris Doctorate from Santa Barbara College, but also has a mechanical and engineering background, which I thought was very attractive for our police department. Uh, to understand the mechanics and the under, and of, of, of mechanisms and things that we're doing from a logical and, and scientific standpoint. Dan Price, senior pastor of First Presbyterian Church, uh, has a Ph.D. in systematic theology, volunteers in, with Betty's uh, uh, Blue Angels and other organizations. He's, uh, I think, the executive uh, director of her board right now uh, for uh, uh, Betty Chin's organization. And uh, we wanted to make sure that there was some representation uh, for the homeless population. And uh, so that was uh, an important pick for us. Jeremiah Scott, a local attorney, uh, is a Juris Doctorate uh, from Santa Clara University and uh, is well known in our greater community. Elizabeth Smith is uh, the executive director of the Boys and Girls Club, has a master's in social work, and uh, local NC NAACP vice president uh, and member of many service clubs also. And uh, I think all, many of us know Liz and, and, the, and the positive spirit that she brings to our community. And then Jeanette Walker. Uh, Jeanette is a Spanish speaker. We wanted to have representation on our board that uh, represented the Hispanic uh, community, the Latino community here in Humboldt.
Uh, and, uh, you know, it's interesting, when I moved here, I asked uh, several people, so how large is the Hispanic population here? And people looked at me and said, I don't think there are any. And uh, I said, well, judging from the five um, Hispanic grocery stores, I'm guessing there is a population of some kind. And so uh, it is a very important community to us. And so uh, Jeanette will, will join us and brings a great deal of uh, background as uh, a uh, fluent Spanish speaker and uh, is also a mediator, which I think is very important to, uh, uh, to work through some of these issues, and has a Master's uh, of Arts in, in Counseling Psychology. And Jeanette is here tonight, if you would stand up and, and uh, yeah. You know, one of the interesting things about Jeanette is everywhere I go, she's there. Um, <laughs> Uh, she is tireless in her efforts to uh, work with the community and to uh, and to support government as well. And so I think that's a really good, healthy balance. And then an alternate is Marcus Drum. Marcus is a local uh, guy with a law degree from Lewis and Clark in uh, Portland. It resides here in Eureka and uh, is a. I talked to him on the phone for a few minutes today, and uh, what a smart guy. And so we're looking forward to having a, a different view on, on the board as well. Not that the rest of them aren't smart. That probably was not the best way to phrase that. Um, I, say, I think you can see that we actually have a pretty uh, very well-educated board. So that's where we're heading. Um, we have a lot of work ahead of us uh, to build us as a team, to be thoughtful about what we look at and when we look at it, to take on large concerns uh, in policing uh, not only here, but around the country, the things that we see. All the way from what some would call the militarization of the police, to police use of force, uh, to, uh, to the uh, spy in the sky. Um, there are a lot of things that we want to take a look at, but be really thoughtful about how we proceed and how we have these discussions so that we represent as best we can the diversity and the complexity and the earnestness of what we see here in Eureka. And I think that it'll be a great process uh, over time. But it'll take us a little while to get there, so please be patient. I'll certainly entertain any questions you might have. Questions, Linda? Go ahead. So will this panel be subject to the Brown Act? Um, I do not believe so because, uh, of course, the attorney's uh, grimacing at me. Um, uh, but maybe I can throw my two cents in and, uh, and let her discuss this. Um, we'll certainly be in an open format. We want people who may have complaints to seek out members of the panel uh, to give us direction and to give us input. And so I think that's important. Uh, but this is an advisory panel to the chief. These aren't elected positions. Uh, these are community members who are donating and volunteering their time. Now I'll turn it over to the city attorney who's shaking her head no. No, you're right. Okay. <laughs> it's not. Um, it, there's no appointments by the council. And it's just an advisory panel, like you said, to the chief. So it won't be a Brown Act panel. Any other questions? Comments? Marion, go ahead. Uh, you said it at the very first, um, Chief Mills, and I wasn't sure I heard right. Did you say that every month they're going to have four hours of training or they're going to be meeting or I, I wasn't clear? They are uh, donating four hours a month. And some of that will be training, some of that will be discussion and decision and decision making where they come to consensus and then advise me uh, what their opinions are based on their thought process, uh, what the average citizens in Eureka would, would think and believe. Uh, if I can jump back to the Brown Act question for, for one second. 
Um, there are several reasons uh, that uh, some of these sessions may need to be closed. Uh, but by and large, they'll be open to the public. Uh, when we're dealing with personnel investigations, uh, that cannot be a public domain uh, by law. So uh, there are those kind of things that will be coming up on a regular basis. We talk about um, higher-end police tactics uh, that uh, are um, not discoverable, and uh, they come under 6254 of the government code. Uh, that Was that pretty impressive? Off the top of my head, thank you. Uh, that, uh, that allow us to keep certain tactics, uh, such as how we'd make entries on a house, for instance, uh, uh, obscured from the public, uh, because that could compromise the safety of our officers. Uh, so those kind of things will be not be open to the public. However, everything else will be. And uh, there's specific law that uh, allows us to do this. Um, you mentioned uh, members limited to three two-year terms. Are, are they staggered, or are they all? How is that going to work? They are not staggered. Um, I do believe that you know over the time there will be some turnover because all these are, are professionals and are extraordinarily busy people. And I think we have to do a little arm twisting uh, to uh, get them to apply, and. Uh, we didn't. They did it on their own. But the, the point is, I can see that over time, this is going to be difficult. It'll be a burden uh, to do it for too long. So I can see people after a couple of years saying, you know what, maybe it's somebody else's turn. Yeah. Well, I saw the full list here. You had a really impressive number of people that really wanted to participate. So um, might be a lot of interest out there. So There is a lot of interest out there. And, I, and we had people calling even after the deadline of when the submissions saying, hey, can I put my, you know, my resume in, and it was just too late. We tried to adhere to the timelines. Uh, so will you be giving periodic reports about how this is going so we can know how it's going? Yeah, it seems like every week I have a report, so I'm sure I'll be able to mix them in. Uh, yes, I will give periodic, periodic reports, and maybe at some point in the future, once they um, maybe self-select a chair, that person can come and report to you as well. I think that would be a healthy exercise uh, to make sure that the information is getting to you unfiltered. Go ahead, Natalie. I just want to thank you for doing this so expeditiously and, and doing such a thorough job. Um, when I was running for for council, uh, several people told me, oh, chiefs hate advisory boards. They hate having a, you know, um, a group to tell them how to police. And um, you really seem to be welcoming the outside input. And so I'm really grateful for that. Um, I think it'll help our community have more confidence in the department. And, um, and I also am thankful for all the people applying because I know that we did get a lot of applicants and there were some incredibly strong ones. So it's fun to say that. There were a lot of very incredibly smart, strong, capable people, and it was really tough for us th us to go through those. And, and uh, you know, we also uh, feel very strongly that we have a good mix right now, and certainly that can change over the next few years. No more questions? All right. Thank you, Chief. Anything else, Mr. Manager? Nothing else, Your Honor. Jeff. Oh. Rob? Uh, we have, Rob decided to go uh, in two weeks. Okay. Yes. All right. All right. Nothing further, then we're adjourned.